visitor. I uh, want to let you know that it usually goes a little bit smoother than what you're probably about to experience. A few announcements. The uh, children and youth will be meeting at their regular times this evening, regular schedule. Uh, Katie wanted me to announce that with the pumpkin patch, we've made over $1,000. So we're proud of that. Um, we have a Thanksgiving project announcement, so Terry, if you come forward. Good morning. Come on, say it like you mean it. Come on. You're happy to be here. All right. My purpose here is to thank you for all the support of the Founda uh, Foundations Class Thanksgiving Project that's taken place over the last 20 years or more. This is another year of it. And as a reminder, this is where we prepare a box of groceries along with the turkey for needy families with children. These families are identified by elementary school teachers. And each year, you've been kind in your support. A box with a turkey costs $35. The goal this year is 80 families. We would appreciate any support you could give at all. You can make a check to Memorial. You can designate it Thanksgiving Project. And if you have any question about how much we have to be thankful for, come out at 2 o'clock on Sunday, the 23rd, deliver a couple of these baskets to the folks that receive them and their turkey. And when you see the gleam in the eye of those children that are just glad to get a box for a meal on Thanksgiving Day, especially when the box has the package of cookies across the top, you'll be blessed more than they will, and we appreciate it. Another announcement, our Consecration Sunday will be November 23rd. That will be a combined service in the sanctuary, and George Strait will be our speaker. Uh, our tradition here um, in this church has been leading up to that Sunday as we have uh, people from the congregation come forward and speak on stewardship. And I can tell you, I'm really looking forward to hearing our speaker this morning. He's one of, our, one of my favorite people. I can honestly say that I don't think I've ever stepped into this church at a time where he wasn't also here. He's a person I like to listen to. He speaks to us frequently. And uh, I can listen to him and have listened to him for hours on end. So uh, if you would come forward, if anyone sees him? Has anyone seen Bill Clute this morning? Uh, <laughs> He's usually quite prompt, almost to a point of being irritating, his family can tell you that. Well, I don't want to hold you up this morning, so I think I know him well enough that I can go ahead and speak for him. When we talk about stewardship, it's a topic most people don't want to come up and talk about. It's a topic most people don't want to sit there and listen about. We'd much rather sit back there and have a pastor tell us how we're a dirty, rotten sinner than to say, we need more money. But it's an unfortunate and a true fact that the church does need money to function. We have a church with a lot of history. It's an old church. We have old buildings. They need maintenance. We have some newer buildings. They need upkeep. All that comes from money. It's, it just doesn't happen. If we want this church to grow, once again, we need money. And not only money, but time. Time and effort from the people of this church. 
We have employees that need to be paid. We have local charities we give to. We have a Good Samaritan Fund that goes to help those who come directly to the church and, and have needs. So we have all these funds, building fund, our general fund, Good Samaritan Fund, and many others that need to be um, fulfilled. As a former finance chairman, I can tell you that it's difficult to get all these done every month. It comes right down to December. We're trying to get it all done and hope we can get it. One of the things in the United Methodist Church is all the churches are connected. We have a connectional structure, and part of that is paying apportionments. Now, there was a room, I don't know if it's still up this way, but there was certificates hanging on the wall all the way around. Um, for each year that this church had fulfilled its 100% apportionments, I think it was for about 25 years in a row until I was finance chair. So for some reason, I've been asked to speak this morning. I'm your one failed finance chairman, and I'm speaking to you on the importance of getting this done. But there's more than just needs. Stewardship is about worship as well. When you read through the Old Testament, we read about sacrificial offerings. And notice it's a sacrificial offering. It's not a convenient offering. It's not a matter of using all the money you have in the way you want or your time in the way you want and then at the end saying, I got a little bit left over. Maybe I'll give some to the church out of convenience. Plus, I can get a tax write-off maybe. It's not about that. It's about sacrifice. And this church, we're not a prosperity gospel church. We're not going to tell you, give some to the church and your blessings will be doubled. Maybe they will be. Maybe they won't. That's not something we preach here. What we want you to do in these weeks coming up to Consecration Sunday is think hard and pray hard about where you put your time and money. Where you put your time and money is a good gauge of where your priorities are. Jesus said in Matthew 6, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So please pray in these weeks coming ahead and make a decision on what you can give to this church in your time and your money. Thank you. Will you stand and sing with us? My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter. Power of refuge and strength, let every breath, all that I am, ever cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us meet, power and majesty, pray to the King, mountains bow down and the seas will roar. Of your name, I'll sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. My Jesus, my Savior. 
bow your heads and pray with me. Loving Lord, we are here this morning to sing your praises and worship your name. We ask that you hold us in your hands and live within our hearts so that we can be more and more like you each day. Use us to your glory to spread your word and to spread your love and to spread your message, not only within these walls but outside this church. 
open our eyes and our hearts now and our ears so that we can worship you this morning. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. If you will turn and greet your neighbor and children, come forward for the children's sermon. I forgot to ask if anybody had any prayer requests, prayer cards. If you, if you have a prayer request and would like for us to write down a prayer card, please raise your hand and Usher will bring a card to you. Thank you. Good morning. How is everybody? We're just a couple of weeks away from one of my favorite holidays. What are we getting close to? Thanksgiving. And so I spend a lot of November thinking about things that I'm thankful for. Do y'all do that? Do y'all talk about that at home with your families? No? Okay, well, we're going to talk about that this morning. How many of you, okay, I'm going to show you a picture of something that I drew. And I'm not a good artist, so don't laugh too loud. But how many of you have seen something that looks like this? Have you seen something that looks like this? Sam, do you know what it is? Do you want to take a guess? I know I'm not a good artist, so it's okay if you can't get it. Here's a better picture, but it's just smaller. What did you call it? A what? Okay, you're close. You know what it is? Yes, Maggie got it. It's a cornucopia. And it sometimes might be called a horn of plenty. I think somebody said something about a horn because it does kind of look like that. And at one time, the cornucopia was made from a curved goat's horn that was hollowed out and filled with fruit and grains. And today, a cornucopia is usually made from a basket. So I tried to make mine kind of look like a basket. And it's often used as a decoration during this time of year. Do you have one at your house? Maybe? Okay. Um, and it's a symbol of all the good things that we have to enjoy. So we might put it on our table and fill it with fruits and vegetables or pumpkins or different decorations. And it's just a symbol that serves as a reminder for us. We have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? What are you thankful for? Okay, your house, God. What else? Y'all could probably name a ton of things. Do what? The clothes we have to wear, the food we have to eat. Jesus, yeah. Anything else? We have a lot of things. We could probably sit up here all day and name things we have to be thankful for. Well, we, as you know, and as we just talked about, we're leading up to Thanksgiving. And so I want us to be sure during this month that we are thinking about all the things that we have in our lives that God has blessed us with that we have to be thankful for. So if you haven't started doing that yet, do you think every day this month leading up to the, my favorite holiday, we can think about things we're thankful for? Or maybe talk about them at home with your family or at school with your friends? Do you think we can do that? And if you see a cornucopia, what are you going to think of? All, all your blessings, God, all the things we're thankful for? Okay. Will you bow your heads and repeat our prayer after me? Dear Lord, we thank you for all of your good gifts. Most of all, we thank you for your love 
and the gift of your son, Jesus. Amen. Were there any prayer requests that we didn't get picked up? Just wanted to give an update. Uh, many of you know of a friend of uh, mine that I, I've sent out a prayer request to many of you throughout the week. A three-year-old girl named Lindsay Beckemeyer last week fell from a two-story window and um, fractured her skull and was in, in very bad shape throughout the week. Had went through an induced coma for a while, but she's out of that now. And uh, Friday started taking small steps in a positive direction. She's got a long way to go, so we ask that you continue praying for her. Um, but uh, it, they are small steps in the right direction, so we're pleased with that. Thank you for your prayers, but please continue praying for her. At this time, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this church and these people who have come to worship you this morning. We ask that you be with Pastor Curtis as he recovers from laryngitis, so he can be back with us soon. Please be with our children and youth programs as they learn about you and guide them in the proper direction. Please be with all of the members of this church as we pray and think about what we should do during this stewardship time. At this time, we ask special prayers for Lindsay Beckemeyer. We also give praise for a mother and brother's successful surgery. We ask for continued prayers for the Mueller family. We ask prayers for a sister who has serious breathing problems and is facing surgery this week. Please, we lift all these up to you. And we pray in the, as you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. When uh, Pastor Curtis emailed me this morning at 3.19 a.m., uh, he included his sermon, which I was grateful for. I didn't want to have to pull out one of my old ones. So I'm going to stick with what he has given us. I will do my best impersonation of him. And we'll see how it goes. The uh, scripture he has for us this morning is 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. I don't know which version he chose for the slide. I'm going to be reading from the Holman Christian Standard Version, which may differ a little bit, but I don't think by much. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. For we say this to you by a revelation from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly have no advantage over those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, 
and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, who are still alive, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I had to read through this sermon real quick before I gave it because I wanted to make sure I was okay with it all. So we, we have a previous pastor that if I was put in this situation with him, I'd have to remove all the jokes and put good ones in, in the place. This one seems okay, though. A new preacher was a little nervous about 10 minutes into his talk. His mind went blank. He thought, I will repeat my last point, and that will jog my memory. So he gave it a try. Behold, I come quickly, he said. Nothing. Behold, I come quickly. Still nothing. He tried it one more time with such force that he fell forward, knocking the lectern over and into the lap of a little old lady in the front row. The young preacher apologized and tried to explain what happened. That's all right, young man, said the little old lady. It was my fault. I should have gotten out of the way. You told me three times that you were coming. The good news today is that Jesus Christ is coming, and we have been told a whole lot more than three times in the Bible that he is. The Thessalonians were waiting for the return of Jesus too, and some were grieving about their loved ones who had already died. The Thessalonians... You see, grief is a very powerful human experience and emotion. However firm our Christian faith may be, the loss of a relative or friend causes profound emotional shock and sometimes leads to questions such as, what has happened to them? Are they all right? Will I see them again? Listen to verse 13 again. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Now, Paul is not forbidding Christians to grieve. He is telling them we have something to hope for, unlike the pagan world. Much of our world doesn't have hope after death, or they make jokes to hide their real fear. Like Woody Allen, who said, It's not that I'm afraid to die. I just don't, don't want to be there when it happens. But we as Christians have hope in death. Death is where we will see Jesus face to face, and death is where your heart can't be broken and loved ones will never leave. This hope is based on two things, an expectation and a belief. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 wrote, now it is God who made us for this very purpose, to leave this body and get a much improved body and live with him forever. And God has given us his spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And after Jesus had ascended into heaven, an angel appeared to the disciples and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So you see, our hope is based on an expectation, an expectation that Jesus will come back again. But not only is our hope based on an expectation, it is also based on our belief that Jesus Christ died and was buried and that he rose again. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the very foundation and core of our hope. And because Jesus has risen, we too will rise. I am the resurrection and the life. 
He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That's from John eleven twenty five. I heard, of course, this is Pastor Curtis, heard. I hadn't heard this story till this morning. <laughs> heard of a story where a class of Bible college students asked, Professor, Scripture says that Christ will descend from heaven with a shout. What might that be? The professor thought for a minute and said, Enough. He will shout enough. Enough suffering, enough starvation, enough terror, enough death, enough hopelessness, enough disease, enough heartache, enough pain. Enough. Someday, and it may be real soon, the scripture says, Christ will return in glory, and he will be clothed in power, and all the earth will see him. And on his robe will be written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And every knee on earth and in heaven will bow down. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And those who have rejected him, mocked him, neglected him, and ridiculed him, those in this life who have refused to acknowledge his lordship, they will hide in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they will call to the rocks and the mountains, Fall on us and hide us from him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of the Lord has come, and who can stand? The Thessalonians were worried about death, and maybe some of you are too. Friends, when we or our loved ones die, we are separated from our body, and our spirit goes to be at home with the Lord. But this is not to be our final state. For you see, God has created us to be both body and spirit. And we, when he returns, we will once again be body and spirit. We will get a different body, a better body, an imperishable and immortal body. Now what exactly that body is going to be like, we don't know for sure. But we can be sure it will be a good one, free from sin, pain, and disease. In a twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ will rise. And in a twinkling of, an, of the eye, those who are alive will also be changed as they rise to meet the Lord in the air. Some glad morning when this life is over will fly away, literally. Can you just imagine being in your new body and being with Jesus? Think about those you love, those who are with the Lord now, and think about one day seeing them again. Friends, no matter what you face now, we live in the expectation and belief of the promised land. When all else fails, fall back on this hope and do as Paul instructed the church at Thessalonica. Therefore, encourage each other with these words, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At this time, would the ushers prepare for the offering and let us stand and reaffirm our faith with the creed. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life and death and life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Would you stand and sing with us, please?
and God will raise you up on eagles' wings. Bear you on the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun, and hold you in the palm of God's hand. Have a great week.